my family and friends in Christ, let's pray before we get into God's Word this afternoon. Let's pray. Lord, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. For Jesus Christ's sake, Amen. Have you ever had your hope crushed? When what you hope for comes to nothing? Have you had your expectation lifted up and then let down? When what you hoped for did not turn out as you planned? This has probably happened to you at home, in school, at work, in your relationships, even in our churches. I've experienced this many times before myself. Having your hope shatter like glass striking the concrete. This is commonplace in our fallen world. And this is what we see at the start of today's passage in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. We see the disciples' hope crushed. They were dejected. They were sad. We see this as we walk with them on the road to Emmaus. And the question before them and before us is this. How then can we hope when everything we hope for has turned out other than what we expected. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Verses 13 to 35. Please keep your finger on this passage as we make our way through today's passage. Right? In today's passage, we see Luke, Luke tells his readers that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of Scripture. He is the suffering Christ who becomes the risen Lord. God wants us to know that Christians, we can have an assured hope in God's plan. We can build our hope on Christ as revealed in Scripture and in the fellowship with the resurrected Christ in the life of the gathered community of believers. But before we take that walk with the disciples, it will be helpful for us to be able to place this passage on the map of the Gospel of Luke. And you know what? Luke does not leave us guessing where he wants to go. Luke informs us from the beginning. In Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, he tells us what he's aiming to do in writing this Gospel. In Luke 1, verse 4, he writes, that you may have certainty, certainty, concerning the things that you have been taught. Luke wants us to be certain. Luke wants us to know that Christ, Jesus comes as the Messianic King to deliver the poor, the needy, the outcast. Jesus fulfills the whole Old Testament, especially His promises of everlasting salvation. Luke wants us to know that the fulfillment of Jesus' mission comes with His crucifixion and resurrection. Luke wants us to be certain of the things that we have been taught. He wants us to be certain of the hope that we have, especially when that hope seems lost. 
And we see this crushed hope expressed in the verses just before today's passage in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. So just look at a few verses before what we're looking at today. There we find the tomb of Jesus empty. But look carefully. But when the women who found their tomb empty reported this to the disciples, what were the disciples' response? Look carefully. The disciples did not believe them. Did not believe them. In fact, Luke 24, 12 tells us, but these words, that is the, what the women reported, seemed to them, the apostles, an idle tale. Do you get that? Okay. So the apostles think what the women said was an idle tale. And they did not believe them. After that, Peter went to the tomb and found it empty. Peter marveled. But if you look at the passage carefully, it did not seem that he had a full understanding of what was happening. And this is where we find the community of disciples, three days after the crucifixion and death of Christ. The Messiah King that they had hoped to deliver them from the oppressive Roman Empire is dead. Hope is lost. Everything seems bleak. You know, I remember how silly and apologetic I felt. My friends told me this. They told me they were waving to me frantically in the mall a few days before. And yet, I did not seem to recognize them. Okay? I suppose my eyes were just turned inward. I was deep in my own thoughts. So I give you all permission. The next time you see me outside, do feel free to jump in front of me, wave, and make some noise, okay? Sometimes I'm just thinking about uh, things in my head, right? So tell me, uh, make some noise, uh, grab my attention. And we see here in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 16, this is what happens. The disciples also did not recognize their good friend Jesus. But in their case, their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. So we read in verses 13 to 16, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. We enter the story here on the road to Emmaus. The two of them, these two disciples that are walking on the road to Emmaus, presumably they, will be, they are part of the rest that was mentioned in Luke chapter 24, verse 9. This rest here, they were told of the empty tomb. And right after Sabbath was over, both of them, they were leaving Jerusalem and returning home. There are hints here that the community of disciples right then were in danger of collapsing. They were disappointed. <laughs> they were in grief and confusion. You need to feel this. Okay? And as the two of them left Jerusalem to go home, it was a journey of lost hope away from Jerusalem. Then in verses 20, 14 and 15, we see them talking and discussing among themselves. They were trying very hard to make sense of what had happened to Jesus Christ. They had expected Jesus Christ to be the Messiah King that would deliver Israel 
from the oppressive Roman Empire. But Jesus is now dead. A dead king cannot rescue anybody, right? They were probably asking, where did things go wrong? And at this point, Jesus appears. By His grace, Jesus goes to them to help them understand what has happened. Jesus goes to restore their crushed hopes. However, their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. They did not recognize Jesus. The eyes of these two disciples were kept from recognizing Jesus until much later in the story. Are you at a point in your life when your hopes seem crushed? Do you feel as if everything around you has gone wrong? Draw a quote from these verses that Jesus will not leave you alone. He will graciously draw near to you and go with you. Do you trust this? Have you been in Bible studies where it seems to go nowhere? Okay, don't be shy. I know some of you are inching to say, yes, I've been in that. I have. And I think I've been guilty of leading studies that, like this as well that seems to go nowhere. And at times like this, don't you wish this falling thing that I wished for? If only Jesus can lead this Bible study and tell me himself what he means when the Bible says this here. But wait a minute. This is what happens. The dejected disciples here get a Bible study with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. We read in verses 17 to 27. This is a wrong passage, but follow with me as we read. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at a tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they have even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he, meaning Jesus here, said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures these things concerning himself. We see in verses 17 to 21, Jesus asked Cleopas and his companions what they were talking about. Cleopas was surprised that Jesus did not know the events that happened this past three days. 
Okay? It was something that was huge that happened in Jerusalem. He expected everyone to know about it. But he and his companions continued and told Jesus a summary of all that had happened in Jerusalem. And they do this in verses 19 to 24. There they spoke about Jesus. They said that he was a prophet mighty in deed and word. They reported how the religious leaders had condemned and crucified Jesus, how they had hoped that Jesus was to be the one who redeemed Israel, that they believed that he would be a Messiah king come in power and glory to rescue Israel from the Romans. But now Jesus had been crucified, now dead and buried. They also talked about the empty tomb. But what we need to see here is this. What we need to see here is this. What Cleopas and his companions, what they reported, it was actually accurate. Okay? It's accurate. What they said were facts. But what was inaccurate was their interpretation of the facts. And this is because of their hearts. We see Jesus scolding them in verses 25 to 26. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Jesus points out that the prophets had predicted all of this. And yet the disciples were slow of heart to believe. And Jesus asked a question in verse 26. And this question expects a yes answer. It was necessary that the Christ, the Messiah, to suffer condemnation and crucifixion. This answer, you realize, is the last thing the disciples could ever conclude. They would not have interpreted this from the events that happened. Because what was to them a devastating disappointment that dashed their hopes actually accomplish God's saving purposes. That the Christ must suffer becomes the interpretive key for them for understanding all Scripture and all that happened to Jesus. You see, Jesus in Luke 9.22, He Himself there had told the disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. What we see here, the disciples wanted glory and more glory. For Jesus, suffering comes before glory. And when you talk about entering glory here, entering glory here marks God's overturning of mankind's, humankind's verdict on Jesus and Jesus' humiliation. God overturns this. And God overthrows the power of darkness. And we see next, Luke continues with his first the step in this passage towards restoring hope. Jesus interprets Scripture for His disciples. In essence, He conducts a Bible study from the Old Testament for them. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. All of the Old Testament contains things that points to Jesus Christ. The whole narrative of God's dealing with Israel unlocks God's purposes that culminates in Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And when I was reading this passage, 
You know, I had expected the disciples at this point to get it. I expect, I mean, after a Bible study with Jesus, shouldn't they go, aha, I get it, right? But we see here the aha moment didn't come right now. It will come later. We are like the disciples, aren't we? Slow of heart to believe. Are we looking at Scripture with the wrong interpretive key? Are we searching Scripture so that we can, we can see, we can get more, we, can look, we are looking for more glory and more glory? The way of Jesus Christ is the way of the cross. Always the cross before glory. You know, the aha moment comes at strange uh, points in time, doesn't it? I had that before. You know, you're maybe working on a problem for a long time, but it seems to go nowhere, okay? And then you put it aside, put that problem aside. Then you, then you go for a meal, and over a meal, or perhaps outdoors when you're taking a walk, the solution comes. And aha, everything seems to come together. What we see here, the disciples just had a Bible study with Jesus. However, the aha moment comes for the disciples as they were having a fellowship meal with Jesus. We read in Luke chapter 24, verse 28 to 35. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, meaning Jesus, acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And he went, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while they talked to us on the road, when he opened to us, opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And there, then they told what had happened on the road and how he, meaning Jesus, was known to them in the breaking of the bread. It must have been a long but fascinating Bible study when they were done with the Bible study, they had reached Emmaus. Jesus wanted to continue, but Cleopas and his companion, they invited Jesus to stay the night and have fellowship with them. Jesus stayed and, had, and they had a fellowship meal. And we see that in verses 29 to 30. Some Bible teachers think that this is the Lord's Supper, but others think that this is simply a fellowship meal. And I think the text seems to say that it is a fellowship meal that they had with Jesus. So there they were, having fellowship with the resurrected Christ. And then the aha moment came. Verse 31 tells us, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized Him. They finally recognized that this person before them was the resurrected Christ. Christ who had walked with them and now ate with them. This is the Christ. And then Jesus vanished from their sights. They finally put two and two together 
and said to each other in verse 32, Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures? We see a change here. Their hearts change from being slow to burning. And this happened during the Bible study which pointed to Jesus. They realized their eyes had been closed, that they were blinded by their false hopes, that Jesus does bring redemption of Israel. However, not in the way that they had expected or interpreted. What this shows is that the proclamation of the word, the preaching and teaching of the word, is necessary for understanding. But it alone does not bring understanding. Understanding comes in fellowship with the resurrected Christ. When Christ's Spirit indwells you, the Holy Spirit indwells you, when you have fellowship with the resurrected Christ, in the life of the gathered community of believers, when you do that in the community of believers. So it tells us that fellowship alone is insufficient. It needs to be accompanied by instruction related to Jesus. So understanding comes both from looking at Scriptures and seeing how it points to Christ, at the same time where we're in fellowship with the resurrected Christ in the midst of a gathered community of believers, that is the church. At this point, they may left home to return to Jerusalem. And as they left home, it was a journey of hope regained. A hope regained. Picture that. When they left Jerusalem to go to Emmaus, what happened? They were sad, dejected, depressed. And now as they make their way back to Jerusalem, it was a journey of hope. Luke writes in verses 33 to 35 that Cleopas and his companion found the disciples and reported that Jesus Christ had risen. They related their walk with Jesus on the road to Emmaus and how they had recognized him in the midst of their fellowship meal. Can you picture that scene? Hope lost to hope regain. Crush hope to now certain hope as they saw Christ revealed in the Scriptures and Christ revealed in fellowship, in the fellowship of the gathered community of believers. Is your hope crushed? Do you need God to restore your hope? We can build our hope on Christ as revealed in the Scriptures and in fellowship with the resurrected Christ in the life of the gathered community of believers. Before I continue though, allow me some time to address one question. Is Jesus on every page of Scripture? Because what I'm telling you now is that Jesus is the interpretive key for understanding all of Scripture. You might be thinking, Oli, are you just taking one verse, one passage in Scripture and pushing it too far? You know, as I was studying for this passage, I've been asking myself this question too. So, I don't usually do this, but keep your fingers on uh, Luke 24 and follow with me as we turn to two different portions in Scripture uh, plus a subsequent later part in Luke, okay? So, let's be faithful to Scripture and see whether there are other parts of the Bible that speaks to this, right? The first is in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 10 to 11. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 to 11. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Peter tells us here that the prophets 
as the Holy Spirit in them was revealing it to them, telling them, predicted the suffering of Christ and His glory. Do you see that? Turn with me to the second portion in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 39 and verse 46. This is Jesus Himself. In John chapter 5, verse 39 and 46, He tells us this, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about Me. For if you believe Moses, you will believe Me. For He wrote of Me. The Old Testament bears witness to Jesus Christ. Moses himself wrote of Jesus Christ. Now coming back to Luke 24, we see subsequently in Luke 24, verse 44, Jesus again telling His disciples, Then He said to them, These are My words that I spoke to you while I'm still with you, that everything written about Me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. As author David Murray writes in the quotes given to you at the bottom of the bulletin, what the old, what's the Old Testament about? Jesus' emphatic answer is, me, me, me. Jesus alone is a definitive revelation of the Old Testament and by extension, the whole Bible. The whole Bible is really about the story of Jesus. All the Bible is centered on Jesus Christ. The end and purpose of the Bible is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the promises of God given in the Bible. So what does this mean for us? You know, as Christians, sometimes we struggle, we lose hope when we fail to understand God's plan. We interpret things that happen around us through our own faulty uh, perspective, our own faulty lenses. But we can have hope because Scripture, rightly interpreted, when it's interpreted through the lens of Jesus, tells us that God has kept His promise. All His promises are fulfilled in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and King. Fellowship with the resurrected Christ in the life of the gathered community of believers, the church, also helps us to better see God's plan. This brings us to assured, brings us an assured and certain hope. So Christians, you can have assured hope in God's plan. We can build our hope on Christ as revealed in our knowledge of the Scriptures and in the fellowship with the resurrected Christ in the life of the church. So how can we practically do this? Firstly, we interpret all of Scriptures in the light of Jesus Christ. We interpret all of Scriptures in the light of Jesus Christ. So how can we do this? You know, I wish I had more time, I can spend more time giving you examples and examples of this, but this is where I gladly commend to you other ministries in the church, other ministries that can help instruct and model this. The Discipleship Seminar starts next week with three uh, lessons on promise and fulfillment, the story of Jesus across the Bible. And I believe Brother Ikiet is actually teaching these sessions. And I commend these sessions to you. I've, I think Ix is probably better at reading biblical theology than me. He's more sensitive at seeing the threads in the Bible than me. 
He's more than able to tell you the big story of the Bible how, and how it finds its fulfillment in Christ. And in addition, for the month of October, we'll have five messages, this being the first, which will talk more about the story of Jesus in the Bible. Also, the young adults together, the church leaders, have come up with an excellent, excellent devotional. This book here, that tell, the book that is Tell Me the Story of Jesus, the young adult ministry has done good work here. It's a good guide to see how all of scriptures point to Christ. And I believe the devotions have really started yesterday, right? 1st October. So if the rest of, if you have not uh, done so, well, you're just uh, one day behind, you can quickly catch up today. Okay? And all of this will end with the Reformation concert in support of the Church Rebuilding Fund. This concert will tell us the story of Jesus in songs at the end of October. So if you want to know how we interpret Scripture, all of Scripture in the light of Jesus Christ, all these are available for you. Secondly, we fellowship with the resurrected Christ in the midst of a gathered community. That is the church. The gathered community of disciples is the church. The resurrected Christ is in the life of the church. As the Spirit of Christ dwells in all and each and every individuals, in each and every believers in the church. We know that no church is perfect on this side of heaven. But if we commit to life together as a church, we will fellowship with the resurrected Christ present in the gathered community of His people. So commit to fellowship with the resurrected Christ in the midst of the church. Lastly, we interpret sufferings in the light of the cross and resurrection. This is amazing here. We see here in this story, failure becomes fulfillment. The cross of suffering comes before the crown of glory. We see this in the life and ministry of our resurrected Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Suffering and difficulties will come to all of us in this fallen world. And we as followers of our crucified Messiah, we can expect no different. I know it's tough when you're struggling with difficulties, when you're struggling in the midst of suffering. So I do empathize. But I commend the scripture here. Scripture here offers us hope. The certainty of the hope that has been promised to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That one day, this suffering will cease and turn to glory as we enjoy the resurrected life, fellowshipping with our Lord, Saviour and friend, Jesus Christ. My family in Christ and my friends, we have a certain hope in Christ. We can build our hope on Christ as revealed in the Scriptures. And we can build our hope as we fellowship with the resurrected Christ, present in the life of the gathered community of believers, present in the life of the church. This is what God's Word says, and this is what I believe. Luke 24, verse 49, 46 to 49 tells us, Thus it is written that He, that Christ, that the Christ should suffer and on a third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. We 
are witnesses of these things. We have heard and received the proclamation of the gospel. We have received the promise of God the Father. That is the indwelling Holy Spirit. We receive the Spirit of Christ when we believe. All of God's promises has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Will you build your hope on this certainty? Let us pray. Father God, thank you for Jesus Christ that in His condemnation, crucifixion, death and resurrection, we have received what you promised. Our sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. We have new life in Christ. Encourage us with this hope. Give us certainty and assurance. Strengthen our hope. I pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us rise and sing a song of response together.